Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to the newest episode of Cake Bites and also the last episode for this year. I, uh, <laughs> I still honestly can't believe I had the opportunity to interview this week's guest because I was on vacation. <laughs> I was up in uh, the Philadelphia area visiting some family because that's where I'm from. And uh, unfortunately, I had like two or three interviews kind of tentatively lined up and they all fell through. And and I had a friend of mine mention that he was jealous I was up in the area because if he was up in the Philadelphia area ever in his life, the first place he would go was to uh, the, the headquarters of a website called Newgrounds. And I was like, no shit, because Newgrounds is the first website that kind of introduced me to more of the internet, I guess. I played Flash games and stuff. And, uh, I mean, but I played them, like, on Neopet starting when I was, like, six or seven. I was a kid. And then I had, I went to junior high and a kid showed me, um, Newgrounds. And (laughs) I remember playing Club Seal. And so I just happened to reach out to uh, Tom Fulp. He is the CEO, the founder of uh, Newgrounds. And I got the chance to go uh, go to the headquarters. So learning about Newgrounds from the ground up was a really great experience. And learning about what is in store for the future of Newgrounds was incredibly exciting as well. So, you know, really without further ado, I am very pleased to present Tom Fulp. sitting with Tom Fulp in the Newgrounds.com headquarters, somewhere where I probably never thought I would be. Um, And we are going to talk about, and I'm really bad with intro, so I'll probably cut all of this out, honestly. Um, (laughs) So let's let's start from the beginning. What really got you involved with bringing everybody, you know, bringing fans together or bringing people together online? So I guess the earliest... Uh, started with just liking video games from a really early age, going back to Atari and Odyssey and going to the arcade. And uh, when I was around 12 years old, we got Prodigy, which was an early dial-up service pre-web, and I would hang out in the video game forums on there. And I, I had one video game club called Internal Powers that merged with another video game club to become something like the giant video game. I, I, it was kind of like up towards the end of it. I don't even remember the name of that one. <laughs> How and old then, were you? That was like all around that, kind of like 12 and 13 range. <laughs> I, I think it was 13 was I had a Neo Geo club and I made a fanzine for that that I would like mail out to people in the club. <laughs> and uh, also around the same time, actually it was in the years after that, there was dial-up bulletin boards. Mm-hmm. And so my brother had set up a dial-up bulletin board at our house that people could dial into. And I started, I was like, I learned Pascal, so I was able to make, like, text adventures. And I started making dial-up bulletin board games where people could come in every day and have, like, their daily forest fights and stuff <laughs> like that. And, like, get gold and experience points. <laughs> and, uh, and then 1995 is when we got our internet access. And that came with 
it was like one or two megs of free web space. It was on Fastnet. <laughs> yeah. And so I immediately, like, you know, back then it was pretty simple because you could you could view the source code of any web page, and it was pretty straightforward back then with HTML. There wasn't there wasn't all these like layers of fancy stuff. Yeah. So I was able to sort of figure out the HTML and set up my own web page. Um, so I I had the new geofancy was called Newground. I called the website Newground Remix mm-hmm. since it was like a remix of, you know. <laughs> of and, Newground. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and was just sort of goofing off there. And 1996 was when I sort of made very like specific content, where I started with a game called Club of Seal, which mm-hmm. was a uh, you, know, you click on a seal and it would club it. <laughs> and you know, I, I was like an animal lover, uh, so I always have to like tell, say that I, I did love animals. But I think it's part because seal climbing did bother me is why I would also do that because I, but I also wanted to just be like an edgy, edgy kid. You were a teenager, yeah. So. And uh, <laughs> I kind of followed up that up with making like a section called Assassin, where you could assassinate celebrities and uh, <laughs> you know, like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and all them. Um, so then I went off to college and. At college, we had broadband in the dorms, and because of that, I couldn't dial up to my, I couldn't access my Fastnet space, <laughs> so I actually went maybe like a good six months where I didn't do anything with Newgrounds, even though it was actually like getting good traffic, I was getting like emails from people, and then I finally used my Drexel web space and created Newground Atomics, which is basically where I just continued making stuff, but at this point... Uh, it's like 1998. Uh, <laughs> I started playing with Flash, and uh, I made, you know, I, I made some Flash assassin games, and then I made a game called Teletubby Funland, mm-hmm. which was just making fun of the Teletubbies. <laughs> and I got a takedown notice from the BBC over it. Um, it's like you noticed me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I kind of like I made a post about that, and it got all this attention because I was like in the early days, there, you know, there wasn't all that drama going on yet on the internet, like. So it was pretty exciting for everyone that I'd gotten this like legal threat, and and like a whole UK internet freedom group caught on board and like put out a press release, and Inside Edition called and wanted to cover Newgrounds. So I thought, or, or Newground Atomics. So I thought, well, instead of listing this weird Drexel URL on TV, I should buy a domain name now. Yeah. And the Newground.com was taken, so I registered Newgrounds.com and set up the site on its own domain name and you know start actually paying for hosting. And then Inside Edition never followed up, so it never even got on TV. But, oh my goodness. But I do owe it all to Inside Like Inside Edition is the reason that it exists. Like who knows what would have happened otherwise. It pushed you a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And um, and then from there, once it had domain name, I think that really helped it spread word of mouth. So it kind of quickly became like near like around the border of like top five hundred websites, just with like these weird games I was making. How did that feel as a college student? Like you, this has been something you've been working on for a long time, and you see yeah. you see the amount of traffic you're getting. You're in that top five hundred, yeah. you know, kind of in the dawn of the internet. Like, I mean, how did that feel as a as a teenager? Really, it, it was exciting. Yeah, it was like cool. Like, it was sort of yeah. It was yeah. I still had to go to class every day. But, <laughs> and it was like there was like there were ups and downs with it where it would. You know, I initially didn't have ads on it. It was like $30 a month at first for hosting, mm-hmm. but then hosting was becoming like, you know, hundreds of dollars and I start running ads and then I got to the point where hosting was like $1,000 a month and I was covering it with the ads and then one day I got an email from the ad company that they were dropping me because of the content on the site being too violent oh. and I had to go to class and I had to go, I had to go actually like just sit through a class <laughs> thinking about how am I going to pay $1,000 a month to keep the site online, which is like, it's like a really, 
scary thought. Well, yeah, it's like I could barely pay tuition. Yeah. So. <laughs> and um, but that all ended up working itself out eventually. And uh, but there were lots of cool things. Like there was a the Teletubby site had a theme song where I I took a drum and bass loop and then I like mouthed like kind of like the Teletubby theme over it. Mm-hmm. And one day I was like walking through like an off campus courtyard and I just heard it playing out of someone's window. <laughs> and it was just like I was like a really surreal feeling. It's like some stranger was in there watching like my thing that I made. Right. You're, it, it, I'm sure it felt a little voyeuristic too because you're like, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Did you, did people at Drexel, uh, your college, did they know about that you were running Newgrounds? Was that something that people knew about you? It wasn't like, like random strangers weren't walking up to me, but like my friends all knew. And, you know, it was kind of like a, it was never like, I never felt like a celebrity, but like I, there were like little moments, there were like tiny little moments where you'd feel like cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then, so 1999, I had a corner of the site called The Portal, which is where I stuck unfinished projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was other people at that time that were making Flash, but they didn't have their own websites, um, or they didn't like have... The yeah, ability. They yeah, they couldn't have the hosting if they get traffic or whatever. So I would feature their stuff in the portal as just sort of this little, like, oh, let's put it on here. And that kind of just started growing in popularity. And then before I knew it, I was just sort of getting flooded with emails of people sending me their SWF files. And then people were, like, making updates to their files. So I'd have to, like, I'd, you know, each one I'd manually create, like, an HTML page for and have to keep updating it. <laughs> so I had hired my friend Ross, who was, like, a back-end programmer, uh, like PHP, MySQL stuff, and we, you know, developed this automated system to let people instantly publish their games in animation, mm-hmm. and that launched in April of 2000, yeah. and that basically set the tone for what the site's been ever since then, where it's just like the real-time publishing and everything that comes with that. Okay, yeah. and I know that you were, the, the site was growing through the dot-com crash, right? And, yeah. And that was probably a, I mean, how long did <clears throat> Did you feel the effects of that? Yeah, the dot-com crash, the, the thing that was scary with that was a lot of the advertisers back then were net 90 uh, payments. So you would basically, like, if you ran an ad through the month, it would be 90 days after the end of the month you would get paid. Oh, wow. So what happened with the dot-com crash was the advertisers, you'd, you'd be like, hey, it's been two months and I haven't been paid yet. And they'd be like, oh, it's coming. And But basically, like, by the time you've paid, it's basically, like, it's two months since... 90 days after the end of that month. So it's like, you've now been running ads for five months that you're not getting paid for. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was like a pretty rough period. And the site hosting was really bad during that time because like, we kept growing, but we couldn't keep the infrastructure up with it. Yeah. Um, but I guess it was around 2001 when we were kind of coming out of it and we had moved our hosting from New York to Philadelphia where we were manually controlling all the servers then. Yeah. Um, and basically bought new hardware, got everything running better, and then we had like a really good run for like, you know, a good nine nine years there. I'd say where like things were things went pretty well. Yeah. With the uh, the proliferation of YouTube in the two thousands, um, did you guys feel the effects of uh, YouTube growing in popularity and people not only really making you know if they have Flash videos, maybe putting them on YouTube or moving away from Flash? Yeah. So when it first launched in two thousand five. Um, that alone was like a big deal because no other, there had never been a big site to come along to like, kind of like have a similar model mm-hmm. to what we were doing. So that was like a big deal. And it was like video. Um, and it was also interesting because 
you could go to YouTube and pretty much watch any TV show you missed. You could watch a lot of movies. Like, they weren't clamping down on piracy at the time. You could, it was so, rogue YouTube. Yeah, so <laughs> it, was, it was growing super fast, and that kind of, you couldn't really compete with that sort of content. Yeah. And it was already, you could tell it was already changing. Like, there was people that loved animation and games, and they were going to keep coming to Newgrounds. But the general public that might have gone to Newgrounds before, because it was unique and interesting, now could just watch TV shows on YouTube and all that. So... It was definitely, like, drawing general audience away. Yeah. And we still... Things still kept going well, uh, like, up, you know, into the later 2000s. But it was more of, like, around 2010 where you really start feeling, like, the shift of, uh, you know, even, like, 2012 was sort of, like, the peak of, like, the misery of, like, just feeling, like, defeated. (laughs) Where, you know, the animators... Like, what originally happened was the animators were interested in playing things on YouTube at first. They didn't have... And he, they didn't have like a revenue share model for their ads. And, um, but what would happen is that just other people would steal their content off Newgrounds and put it on YouTube. Oh, wow. So at first they start putting their content on as like a protective measure to like stop other people from doing it. But then when YouTube actually introduced their whole ad system, uh, then all of a sudden people were able to make money and that started making it more enticing. And the YouTube ad paid YouTube ads paid a lot better than the Newgrounds ads. Oh, yeah. And they introduced the whole network system. So other companies would basically come in and be, like, the the network that people would join. And those companies, like Maker and Machinima, would raise millions of dollars. And they could give people, like, they'd guarantee you a $3 CPM, even if the YouTube ads didn't make that much. Yeah. Because they could just spend their venture capital because, you know, Maker ultimately sold for, oh, did they sell for like a billion? It was a lot. hundred million around. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, you know, they're spending money because they knew they were going to sell for like way more money. And uh, it kind of created like a fake ad ecosystem of like ads that paid better uh, on like on the same content that advertisers might not have wanted to advertise on on Newgrounds. Yeah. Because they hadn't had the adpocalypse yet, which is happening now. Can you explain some more of that about that? Because I actually have not heard that term. So the adpocalypse is, uh, it's basically YouTube started getting a lot of heat for the type of content that had ads running on it. And they've had to really crack down now on what they can run ads on. So people that were used to having, you know, like mildly edgy content mm-hmm. that ran really high paying ads are suddenly getting demonetized. And, you know, YouTube doesn't have any middle tier ads. It's basically like an all or nothing with them right now. So... If you're not totally safe for every brand advertiser, like you're probably getting demonetized right now. Wow! And so even if you've previously been doing really well, yeah, like there's people that would get would have gotten like a three dollars CPM, you know, five years ago. Who now it's like it's like no advertisers don't want to advertise on that. Wow! Yeah, that's crazy. But I guess YouTube, YouTube's just a monster now. It almost feels like yeah. Um, and so you said in 2012 you guys felt defeated. How do you guys feel now? Now it's it's interesting. Part of it's just becoming comfortable with like the new normal. So it, it took a lot of pressure off because I I would have like a lot of anxiety about just the what we're trying to do because we were really trying to build something to compete with traditional entertainment. Yeah. And it really felt like we were like leading that at the time, and we were you know growing every year and building. You know, systems like we build our own ad rev, rev system to pay out ad revenue to people. And you had to. There yeah. was nothing for it yeah. before. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're doing all this stuff. And it, it was like a pressure where I, I felt like all these people were kind of like in our, they jumped onto our wagon and we were going to try and deliver them to, you know, success. And now that now that, that kind of officially didn't happen, you kind of like get over it and, you know, you still want to 
you still need to do great things, but at least you don't feel as much expectations. So it's kind of like the lower expectations make you feel like a little better. Like now you're just going to surprise everyone, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. instead of, uh, you know, all the pressure. But I mean, it seems like you guys have uh, had, had people who, creators on Newgrounds that have gone on to do amazing things, right? You've had, uh, can you name anybody that's gone on to do um, like really viral work, I guess, is a, the, the way I feel like I have to describe it? Yeah. Um, like on the game side, like Edmund McMillan uh, made me Super Meat Boy. Mm-hmm. And he, he met uh, Tommy on Newgrounds and they <laughs> made like the original Super Meat Boy. And he also met Florian on Newgrounds who made Binding of Isaac. With, oh, wow. Just like another really popular one. I, play, I love roguelikes personally. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And uh, have you played Rogue Legacy? I have not. It's on my list. I, Binding of Isaac is the one that I've been playing a lot. I haven't gotten around to Afterbirth quite yet. Okay. Um, but they're frustratingly fun. <laughs> yeah. the, the Rogue Legacy guys are from Newgrounds, too. Really? Yeah. I know that uh, the Cyanide and Happiness guys started Yeah, so they started on Newgrounds, yeah. And they just announced that they're going to be making a game. Yeah. Cyanide and Happiness and, game. And they're working with I Mockery, who's also from Newgrounds. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I think that the legacy of Newgrounds is phenomenal. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any plans for the future? Any new implementations for the website that you guys... Yeah, so, so the ongoing project right now has been making the website uh, mobile-friendly, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it, in some ways, it's it's like, you know, it's long overdue, but we're also, the timing's kind of working out okay, because our goal is to never have to make a native app with its own code base. We want to basically have an HTML-based app, which, that way we just maintain one code base, and it works on your phone and on the web. And that's something that was like a big debate in companies like Yahoo and everything years ago. Like, yeah. what if we do native or HTML? And I feel like as phones have gotten faster and HTML has gotten better, it kind of feels more of a no-brainer that that's, for, especially for a small company, that's what we'd want to do. Um, so we're working on that and also just improving the site as we go, continually adding, you know, so that's a forever. That's a forever thing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's never finished. And um, I want to, like, years ago I made a Roku app. And it just finally got, like, sunset because they had a new SDK and you had to, like, move your app to the new SDK. So that got sunset, so that's gone now. But I still want to get back to making apps for all the smart TVs and console platforms. Yeah. And that's another thing where that's kind of, it's sometimes better to come in late because the TVs used to used to have to have a separate code base for every TV you wanted to make it for. But really? now now they're starting to unify more with, like, HTML-based systems. Um, Which like is I was perfect just, for y'all. <laughs> yeah. And I was just reading, um, like I have a Vizio TV with a Netflix app. And I was reading that the new Vizio TVs don't have a Netflix app because they have a new SDK that's HTML based. And I guess Netflix has, hasn't made an app for that yet. Wow. But um, I'm hoping that we'll come in and have our apps on everything and, <laughs> and, uh, and basically be able to make our content available as many places as possible. And the, the big thing is we have the supporter subscription system, which you know, it's, it's the whole thing where you like pay $3 a month to support the site. And we're constantly debating whether to rebrand it as, like, what's, is it better to present it as, like, you're supporting the site? Or is it better to present it as, like, an awesome upgrade to make yeah. it super cool? And uh, <laughs> so that's, like, the big thing to figure out. But um, the long-term goal with that is I'd like to remove the ads and stop designing the site around ads so it could be, like, a pure you know, delivery of good content and without any distraction, but also um, ultimately plug that into our revenue share system. So, you know, if we ever, if we ever made hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, most of that would actually just end up going right back to everyone putting stuff on the site, Yeah. which at that point we'd be able to 
paid better than ads ever could, and it would be really cool. Because, like, you know, Netflix can spend billions of dollars on content. It's like, what, yeah. if, what if we could spend, you know, if we could, spend, <laughs> if we could, if we could even spend a hundred, you know, a few hundred thousand a year on content, that would still be, like, so much better than, you it, know, what we've had before. It'd be really enticing to bring yeah. in new creators. Have you found that a lot of your creators stay with the site for a while, or there, is there, like, a loyalty to the site? Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely creators that are loyal long-term that have been on the site all along. There's also people come and go. A lot of people just sort of age out because yeah. unless unless you can make a living doing it, you end up you know working a nine to five and you have kids, and it just it's hard to, to keep up with all that stuff at that point. It seems like a lot of them have made this kind of the same transition you did, um, like moving into game development. Because mm-hmm. I know that you in two thousand two, you and Dan Paladin started uh, the Behemoth Games, right? Yeah. So in two thousand two, we made Alien Hominid. Uh, on the web, and that was like a run-and-gun game, and I guess it was 2003, Dan was working at a game company that went out of business, and one of his coworkers, John, came up to him, he's a big fan of Alien Hominid, and he said, we should start a company and make a console version of this, <laughs> so, and that was, that was like a, you know, kind of a crazy thing, because Dan basically just emailed me with this, like, idea, and you, know, you kind of picture, like, on any given day, if someone said, you know, a guy you don't know wants to start a company to make a console game... <laughs> It's like, but at the time, I was just like, sure, you know, let's give it a shot, and uh, ended up just being a great decision because we actually like pulled it off and uh, got Alien Hominid out, and then we uh, ended up, you know, we went on then to make Castle Crashers, which that came out in two thousand eight, and that it's was like, like a our cult, big. It's like a cult classic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big hit. What What was your role in game development? So, uh, as far as Alien Hominid, Castle Crashers, a programmer, mm-hmm. but also. I, I'm like a failed artist, but I like I like working with artists. So I like I like the I like the creative aspect of it. You know, some programmers are only there to program, mm-hmm. but I I like being kind of like program and design and, and stuff like that. So uh, although I'm not, I could be a better programmer too. But that would, that would be nice. <laughs> Um, are you guys working on anything else? You did Cross- Castle Crashers in 08. I know people have been asking for maybe another Castle Crashers or yeah. something similar to it. So right now in San Diego, they're working on Pit People, which is fast-paced, turn-based co-op adventure. <laughs> oh, does that just have something? Oh, low battery. Oh, <laughs> low battery. <laughs> um, over here, I've been working on a game called Nightmare Cops. Okay. Where you're cops who fight people's nightmares. What kind of game and is that's, it? It's a... It's a platforming brawler or I call it like a run and brawl mm-hmm. where like Castle Crashers fans will like it because it's got like that brawler aspect but it's on a flat plane instead of the 2.5D like in and out of the screen. Is there anything that you want to that you would like to talk about anything like as far as the website goes that you would love people to know or? That's a good question. Um, I guess one, one, one thing that's really important because this is like this is like my, my marketing mission now that yeah, I'm on. Absolutely. Is it's still really hard to like let the world know that Newgrounds isn't just a flash site because most people like I'll I'll bump into people that were like huge fans of the site years ago that you would think kind of keep up on it but they still tend to assume oh like flash is dying you know therefore Newgrounds has to die too like no <laughs> yeah yeah because we um we made this software called Swivel which is for converting SWF uh, to video mm-hmm. and that's actually when we released Swivel that was kind of like around 2012 that helped a lot of the stuff move to YouTube. Okay. Which so I had like the double-edged uh, sword because it was really you know it's, it's it's like a great video converter. And so basically any, any animation you see on the web is like usually using it. We know like TV shows are using it too. Oh wow. Because cool. Adobe just never made a good export option. It was weird. Adobe could never flawlessly export a your lot. video. Are y'all working on any other um, like not 
animated game related projects like Swivel? Or? Yeah, that's the that's the bummer because since the staff is a lot smaller now, we can't do all those exciting projects. Like if we were a lot more successful, the big project I'd like to be working on is uh, making Flash games work after Flash ends because Flash is uh, is basically getting sunset in 2020. Oh. And like right now in your browser, Flash might just work by default or you might have to enable it. But after 2020, you won't have any option at all. You won't oh. be able to install a plugin. Like you won't be able to check a box. Um, so all the old Flash content won't work anymore. And the two potential options, if you want it to still run in a web browser, are we need to either convert the games to JavaScript or we need to create a JavaScript player that can like run the SWF file in your browser via JavaScript yeah. or a WebAssembly player. That, and the WebAssembly seems like probably one of the best options. Uh, but so far, Adobe hasn't said whether they would ever open source Flash because yeah. they still sell the same software for animating and everything. So we don't know what they'd be willing to open source. But um, if they did that, that would help a lot because then other people could probably get it working. But um, it would be nice to be able to keep running that content <laughs> in a web browser after 2020. Otherwise, we'll probably just have a desktop app that you'd run it in. Oh, I was going to say, I was curious about what would happen to all of that, yeah. <laughs> all of the content that yeah. is, is, so that all is the, Flash. Yeah, like most of the animation will convert to video, but the games, there's not much, you know, you can do if we don't figure out a good option for that. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll be encouraging, we'll probably be encouraging people to download a desktop player that's sort of like just Newgrounds on your desktop. It would pretty much be the same thing. It would be like the site running just like you're in a web browser. Yeah, like some sort of like a desktop console type so when it, how long have you guys been accepting html5 that has been for a while now um years now like yeah. we've already well like an interesting thing that i've noticed too is so there's flash content that's been on the site since 1998 and that still works like if you load it today it works exactly as it did in 1998 mm -hmm. meanwhile we've already had html5 games from like three years ago that no longer work because the browsers change the way they do JavaScript wow. or whatever. So the thing that's supposed to replace Flash is already like not future proof in that <laughs> way. And that's wow. like really that's kinda like frustrating to see because you you know you, you'd like to think that at least there'll be a better option, you know, then, long term. Yeah, absolutely, because you still want to be able to to access that content. Yeah. Um is there anything that y'all can do about that? I mean, those those games that aren't working, do they kind of just... It depends on how the games were made. Like, there were some games that were made with Construct 2 that stopped working, but all they had to do was re-export them from a new version of Construct 2, or, you know, Construct 3 is out now. Um, so if they re-export them with a new version, that tends to fix it. Uh, but if it's a game they just made completely on their own, then they would have to manually go in and figure out what broke and fix that. Wow. There's like a lot of different ways to make, yeah, like a lot of different platforms to make the games with now. It's, I get, it's like the, the options are wonderful, but <laughs> it yeah. causes a lot more uh, long-term problems, it yeah. seems. What we do want people to know is that Newgrounds is very much still alive and well, and please go and, I don't know. What you want to say. Check it out. It's still it's fun. Like, yeah. right? It's still it's fun. A fun site. It's a the, the games of your childhood are still yeah, there. It's a completely independent site that deserves uh, you know to stick around, and we've got so much stuff there that we're trying to protect for you know decades and and keep this content you know let it be a living history of the internet. Like we want people in you know 2050 to be able to come back and see what like the dawn of the internet was like. Playing Club Seal. Yeah, <laughs> Club Seal, and, and uh, but also keep having new cool stuff. You know, have keep, 
keep evolving. Absolutely. I mean, it's a wonderful creator's almost paradise. I mean, you guys give people an option to really put their work out. Like, it seems like most genres of work, it's not just animation and it's not just games, right? You... Yeah. So we yeah, we launched the Animation Games Portal was 2000. Then mm-hmm. 2003, we added the Audio Portal because we didn't want people to use like commercial music. We wanted them to work with other independent artists, uh, keep everything, you know, friendly with people and, and not get in trouble. And, uh, and then I guess it was around 2010, we launched the art portal and that was just basically cause that was like the one missing piece that we had all these people on the site that also made art. Yeah. So I was like, well, let's have an art portal. And, uh, but that's worked out really well too. Cause a lot of times we've ended up with people doing like background art and games or backgrounds and animation. So it's like, they're not an animator, but they got noticed because of the art portal and they yeah. got to, you know, c- collaborate. And it seems like it's a really wonderful resource for people who maybe have, have an interest in game design and it's, uh, it's a career path that they would like to follow. People, and people to work on their games. People shouldn't hesitate to ask either. That's the other thing is people don't think they just ask. Like if they see someone they like, you can usually ask them if they want to make a game. And if you have, if you have something decent to offer, a lot of times people are interested in that. Wow. So like, uh, like with Dan, he just asked me one day if I wanted to make a game with them. So we start making web games. And that's sort of like it always starts with just someone reaching out like that. Exactly. Um, but like as long as you have, you know, as long as you can bring something to the table on your end, you know, usually should work out pretty well. Do you have any advice for people who want to make games? Uh, if you want to make games, uh, or just like, get involved in the in the industry. What I've been recommending lately is Construct Three came is in beta still, but it's it's a web based game development tool, and it's all uh, logic based, so you don't actually have to you don't have to know how to program because you'll you kind of just like drag and drop game logic to build your game, but you can make like really good games with it. Okay. Um, so I recommend checking that out and trying new tutorials. Like I like that you can, you know, I can work on something at the office and then go home and check on it. Right? You know, <laughs> I'm not doing that cause I'm working on something else, but like, I like that. It's, I like that you don't have to install like software and, yeah. um, and it's like, it, it's really impressive how well it works in a browser too. So I've been recommending that a lot to like people that just want to just, you know, dip their toes in. And, and construct is, I mean, you can, Anything you make, I guess, you could use on console, PC, mobile. Yeah, you can you can export for web, mobile, desktop, uh, Xbox One. I'm not sure how much other console support has yet, but I know it will be moving. Eventually. Yeah. But, There's uh, this big push for indie games nowadays. Yeah. It's, a, it's ballooning almost yeah. Um, yeah. to the benefit of most people, I think. Yeah. And Game Maker's another good one for that, too. Oh, yeah. Games. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Tom. Um, You are going to be in one of my first episodes for my shows, so I'm really excited. You know, Kitty is just a little jealous. She wasn't able to be there. You know, she really enjoyed listening, and I really hope you did, too. So uh, if you head over to CakeBites.com, you'll find show notes from today's episode. You'll uh, also find links to the various social media channels that you can follow me and the show at, as well as links to uh, my Patreon. You can take a peek at uh, at the types of rewards I have. I've, I've got bonus content up for all of the episodes, and if I don't have it up, it will be up soon, I promise. 
I'm gonna be getting my stream set up really soon. If uh, if you didn't catch my extra life stream, you probably don't know that uh, I found out the place that I'm currently living at is not wired for streaming, unfortunately. So I'm in the process of getting my computer set up somewhere where I can stream at so that I can hang out with you guys some more, play more with you guys, and just play more in general. <laughs> and, and I think that I'll have that up hopefully closer to the beginning of the new year. And I'm planning on uh, releasing a vlog on my YouTube channel, which I really don't talk about because I haven't really posted very many videos, but I'm planning on posting vlogs regularly. Um, and I'm kind of planning on doing a 2017 wrap up and kind of a pre-2018 video so that I can get comfortable and force myself to finally do it because I've been putting it off. So, <laughs> you can find links to everything on cakebites.com. Go over there, you can subscribe to the show on virtually any podcasting platform. See, Kitty agrees. It's really easy to find the show, I promise. And if not, just let me know. Anyways, I will see you guys in the new year. Have a safe one, and talk to y'all soon. <laughs>